0: Check, one, two, three. All right. Welcome, welcome. If you're here already, or if you're arriving or watching online, tonight in the prayer room, we have the prayer team. Everyone has prayer needs. They write here. We are here tonight to pray for you. If you're sick, if you're anxious, if you need prayer for anything, please come in for prayer. So anytime during worship or the Bible study, head on over if you need prayer. We're gonna start the book of Hosea tonight. So we're moving on through the Bible. Hosea chapter one tonight, kind of an introduction. But before we worship, here's Psalm 130. Out of the depths I've cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities or keep a record of all of our sin. Oh, Lord, who could stand? None of us. If God kept a big list, but he doesn't. He doesn't. The list has been blotted out. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more more than those that watch for the morning. The guards on the wall, the watchmen on the wall of Jerusalem, looking out, see if there's an enemy coming. He says, my soul waits for the Lord more than those that watch for the morning. Yes, more than those that watch for the morning. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. With him is abundant redemption. He shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Oh, I love that. Lord, we thank you that you're God ready to forgive, ready to forget, forgive and forget. Lord, we can't do that, but you do. And we pray that you would help us forget what is already forgiven. That we could get up, Press on with the rest of our lives here to your glory. Pray that tonight you'd bless our time of worship. And as we start Hosea, we pray you'd bless our study through the, the book of Hosea. Lord, we dedicate it to you and pray you'd bless it. Open it up to us. Speak to us. We give you this time in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said together, amen. amen. Hey, take a minute if you would. Maybe you get up out of your seat. Let's find everybody who's here. And make sure everybody knows we're glad you're here, that you're absolutely welcome, and then we'll get into worship.
1: no sense. You say that's what faith is for. When I see a flood, you see a promise. When I see a grave, you see a door. And when I'm at my end, you see where the future starts. come tonight Lord knowing that those words are true God that you make a way Lord I pray for anybody who comes tonight Lord into this place through these doors and they're struggling Lord they're struggling with a situation a circumstance Lord and they're just overwhelmed tonight God I pray that you would be with them Lord that you would grant them your peace Father grant them your favor speak to them knowing that you have a perfect plan for their lives Lord God And I pray for all of us tonight, Lord God, that we'd be met by your spirit, that we'd be drawn into your presence, Lord, that we'd be humbled by the fact that we get to worship the creator of the universe, Lord, that you hear us, that you delight in our praises, God. Help us to realize and remember, Lord, that we are your children, that you love us, you care for us, you want the best for us, God. And so tonight, Lord, I pray that you would just minister to our hearts, Lord God. Pour out your presence, we pray in your name you mm-hmm.
2: Sure. Now, Jesus, You changed everything. Lives we healed, the whole, found. we healed and were were healed. now, Jesus, You change everything.
1: Of the shadow of death Your perfect love is casting out fear And even when I'm caught in the middle Of the storms of this life I won't turn back, I know you are near And I will fear no evil Before my God
2: is with Oh my God. Oh, God.
1: Lord, those promises are true. God, Lord, we yes, tonight, Lord, be with Greg. Speak through him tonight, Lord. God, in this place we pray in Your name. All of God's believers agreed by saying, "Amen." Amen.
0: All right. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start the book of Hosea. If you're new here, we're studying. We study through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We started in Genesis, and now we're to Hosea. We're getting close to the end of the Old Testament. It'll still be a while because we cover every verse. That's what we do. So that's how we come up with these messages. We pick up where we left off last week and we just keep going through the whole, the whole Bible. So I'm going to do an introduction at first and then we'll jump into chapter one. But Hosea, he lived and prophesied to the northern kingdom of Israel Sometimes Hosea called the northern kingdom, he called them Ephraim, because Ephraim was the largest tribe in the north. Sometimes Hosea refers to them as Jacob. Remember, Jacob was Israel's name before God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Jacob had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. Hosea lived and preached to the 10 northern tribes. We've seen so many of the prophets that have been speaking to Judah. Judah is the southern kingdom, which actually consisted of two tribes. There's 12 tribes, right? There's 10 in the north, and there's two in the south that are called Judah, but they actually consisted of Judah and Benjamin. And Judah is where Jerusalem is the Messiah is going to be from the tribe of Judah. Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. Okay? Hosea lived and preached to the 10 northern tribes, and this is some 200 years, just to give you an idea, this is some 200 years after the 10 northern tribes had broken off from the southern tribes. Okay, after Solomon built the temple... And when Solomon, who was David's son, when he died, when Solomon died, Solomon's son split the kingdom. Okay, in the ten northern tribes, we saw all of this in 1 Kings, when we studied there many, many moons ago. But Hosea was called to speak to these people in the north, the tribes in the north, These people that God had chosen, the chosen people. Which means that it's through you I'm going to bring my light and salvation to the world. That's what it means to be God's chosen. It doesn't mean you're in and everybody else is out. It doesn't mean you're all going to heaven and sorry, everybody else is going to hell. Chosen in the Bible, God's elect It means I'm choosing you to be near me, to know me, so that you might make me known to the entire world, because God's heart is for the world. God so loves the world. He loved the world that he gave his only son. God's heart has always been for the world. When God chose the first of these people, a man named Abraham, he was from southern Iraq, from the modern-day southern Iraq, which in that day was called the Ur U R, of the Chaldeans. And he called them, and he said, I want you to come to a land I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you offspring. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you into a mighty nation. I'm going to bless you, and in you, Abraham. He was one guy with his wife. He said, in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. This was God choosing the very first of the chosen people and made it very clear, I'm choosing you to bring my blessing to the entire world. That's what it means to be chosen. Okay, we as Gentile believers in Israel's Messiah, which is what a Christian is, we're Gentile believers in Israel's Messiah, which is Jesus. The New Testament calls us chosen in him. These the people that descended from Abraham are called just chosen, but we who have come to faith in Israel's Messiah, who's the Savior of the world, we're we're titled. Our title is chosen in Him, and we've been grafted in to the people of God. And now we are sons and daughters of Abraham through faith. It says in the New Testament in Galatians. Okay, we're we've been made partakers of the covenants and promises. And now God's purpose upon us is chosen, is that he wants to make himself known through us to the world. That's what it means to be chosen, okay? So this is during the reign. Hosea's ministry is during the reign of Rehoboam. We saw this again. We saw this in, in, in the books of the kings. Um. Rehoboam promoted terrible idolatry in the north. Hosea warned them of a severe consequence if they didn't turn back to God. Because if you're not knowing God, he was speaking to Israel, how is the world going to come to know me through you? This is why they were held so accountable and God chastened them and spanked them so hard when they turned away from God because it's through them that God is going to make himself known to the world okay finally in the year 722 BC before Christ the brutal Assyrian army swooped in and destroyed the the ten northern tribes and carried them into captivity into Assyria okay now a long while later the southern tribes fell, and God took them into captivity into Babylon. We've been looking at that over and over through the different books, and we just saw it. Daniel was in Babylon. Okay, this happened way before the Babylonian captivity. The northern tribes were taken into Assyria. Okay, and again, we see all these things recorded in Second Kings. Hosea saw all these things coming before they came. The book of Hosea is a collection of some 25 years of Hosea's preaching and writing. And it's almost all poetry. Okay, the entire book of Hosea, it's almost all poetry. And it's laid out in three major sections we're gonna see. Chapters one through three tell the story of how God calls Hosea. Now get this, this is the big shocker of Hosea, but God calls Hosea to marry, and we're gonna see this in chapter one tonight. He called him to marry a prostitute named Gomer, okay? The name Gomer's ruined to us because of Gomer Pyle, right? This is actually a woman's name back in the day, but Hosea is called by God to marry a prostitute named Gomer who would keep returning to her prostitution The key element of all this is that God tells Hosea that even though Gomer will be chronically unfaithful to him, that he was to go after her, that he was to search for her, that he was to go and pay off all of her debts to her lovers and to commit himself in love and faithfulness. And then God says of the whole thing. Through all the broken and then mended and restored marriage and the children that they have, that all of this is a prophetic symbol of God's relationship to Israel. The story in the Old Testament, as we've seen, as I've mentioned The record of the Old Testament is the record of the sinfulness of God's chosen people. That man fails. This is a huge theme when you study the Old Testament. Flesh fails. (laughs) You know? That it's not about the people. And God even told Israel, He told them over and over I didn't choose you because you're better than anybody else. You're not. You're stiff-necked, okay? They're, they're as messed up as you are. They're as messed up as you are. And you know what? I'm as messed up as you are. And I always like to remind, in every church I've planted, in every place i preach, preached, I like to remind people of that because we have a tendency to idolize the guy in the pulpit and what, what I don't want to happen is that later you find out that I'm just like you, but you're so disappointed that you decide to destroy me. You know, because you expected me to be what? You know? Better than you? No, we're all the same. We're all broken. We all have struggles in the flesh. You know? We all need the Savior. We all need the Holy Spirit to lift us up and keep us from destroying ourselves, from destroying our wives and our relationship with our kids and breaking off and ruining the communities we live in. And by God's grace, when we're honest like this, when we're not acting like we're above it, but we're like, hey man, I need you. I need you to pray for me. (laughs) I get tempted, you know. Then we make it. God, God fills that it's, it's, anyway, they're as messed up as you and I are. This is what I see when I study the Old Testament. God's chosen people are as messed up as me. They are in as much need of God's salvation that God's gonna bring through them as we are, the ones that it's brought to. The other storyline through the whole Old Testament is the faithfulness of God to preserve these people to fulfill through them what he has promised to bring through them for the world. This is the other theme. God is faithful. What we see, man fails. It's a record of the failure of flesh, you know, and the faithfulness of God. That's the, those are the two main themes of the Old Testament. Man fails, God is faithful. <laughs> As God has been, He will be faithful to these people. He's promised to never leave them nor forsake them. And you know what? He hasn't ever left them nor forsaken them, even as he disciplines them while they stumble and fall along the way. He spanks them in exile, but he brings them back. He brings them back. He puts them back in the game. And so he will be faithful to you and me. This is a picture to you and me of how God is toward us. Okay? We that are grafted into the people of God through faith in their Messiah, he'll be faithful to us even as we stumble and fall. And I'm not encouraging you to stumble and fall. Okay? But I'm saying we all stumble in many ways. That's quoting James in the New Testament I love that we all stumble in many ways talk about just being straightforward you know and I hate it when I stumble because it hurts and it complicates my life <laughs> you know it, it's too it, it, it makes life even more painful than it already is it wastes my time and that drives me crazy sin when I sin it wastes time we hate wasting time you hate wasting time on the way over here you were at a red light and the guy in front of you didn't go immediately when it turned green and you were ready to honk because he hesitated for one and a half seconds sin complicates our lives and there's such a waste of time and resources an increase of pain God knows we stumble, we all stumble As he's faithful to Israel, he's going to be faithful to us. Okay, God has been faithful, a faithful husband to Israel, redeeming them out of slavery, Egyptian slavery, bringing them to Mount Sinai, you know, where he entered into a covenant with them, and then he brought them into the promised land. We saw this in the book of Joshua. And what did they do? They took all the wealth and overflowing blessing that was there and they that God had provided for them and they devoted it in the worship of the Canaanite god Baal. On the airplane this week. So I'm going to keep switching it off so I don't cough right into your ear. God had legal grounds according to the covenant that he made with them. God had legal grounds to divorce Israel, to break off, end the covenant. As we're gonna see in this, what could be seen as tragic poetry here of Hosea, that option was pondered. But instead of doing it, God says, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to divorce you. I'm going to pursue you again. I'm going to renew my covenant with you. We're going to be, what do we call that? Renew, we're going to renew our vows, okay? And he says, why? It's totally and completely because of my own love and compassion and faithfulness. That's why, God, this is happening. Hosea then expounds and illustrates what this all means. He says that the consequence of Israel's rebellion will will be this forthcoming defeat and they're being taken away captive by the Assyrians, but there's hope. This This is an overview of the whole book. There's hope for a future restoration. One day Israel will turn back to God from the idols that they've turned to. And Hosea says God will place over them a new messianic king from the line of David who will bring God's everlasting blessing. So there's going to be prophetic you know, prophetic insights into the coming of Christ here in the book of Hosea. There's the promise of the new messianic king of the line of David who is of the tribe of Judah. The very first words of the New Testament. This is these, Matthew 1.1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus is the fulfillment. The whole Old Testament is flowing towards Jesus. Okay, he fulfilled it all. And now here we are as believers in Christ. We're believers in the one that God promised to bring through Israel to the world. It's amazing. So this opening section puts in place all the major ideas of the whole book. Israel has rebelled. God's gonna bring severe consequences, but God's own covenant love and mercy are more powerful than Israel's sin. Let me repeat that because this applies to us. Israel has rebelled. Flesh fails. Man can't pull it off. There are severe consequences and pain we bring upon ourselves. But God, but God, in his own covenant love, his own, he's, committed to us. That's why we're here. That's why we, we, we remain here. God's own covenant love and mercy are more powerful than Israel's sin. That's, that's the book summarized right there. And so in the remaining sections of this book, Hosea will then, through poetry, he'll explore these subjects just more in depth. So th- in the first three chapters you get the whole thing and then he explores those same subjects but in more depth in, in the form of poetry. So that's an overview of what to expect as we go through Hosea. So Hosea chapter 1 verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Hosea the son of Beri. The name Hosea, by the way, means salvation in Hebrew it comes from the same hebrew root as the word hosea which is where joshua the hebrew name joshua comes from which is in the is the which in the greek is the word what joshua in the greek is the word what jesus okay so hosea's name is actually related to the name of Jesus, which is interesting. (laughs) The word of the Lord came to Hosea, the son of Bere, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. Okay, now he's in the northern, he's speaking to the northern ten tribes, but for those in the south, he gives this time stamp. So if anyone in Judah or Benjamin is reading this. Oh, he was preaching during the times of these kings in Judah. Okay? It was during the days of these four kings, which at the same time in the northern kingdom was in the days of Jeroboam. So he says it was during the times of these kings in the south and this king in the north, Jeroboam, Son of Joash, the king of Israel. Okay, the ten northern tribes are called Israel. The two southern tribes are called Judah. Okay, so he, he gives a time stamp here to both the north and the south. Remember, in these days, the kingdom of Israel was split, the north and south. This is 250 years after the time of David. This is 650 years after the time that Israel re-entered the promised land as Joshua led them in. Okay, the northern kingdom fell first and hardest into idolatry. They were removed from Jerusalem, from the temple, which is where God had prescribed the worship, which was all a prophetic picture of Jesus Christ the worship in the t- in the temple the sacrifice the blood of the sacrifice taken off the altar sprinkled over the the mercy seat the lid of the, the ark of the covenant covering the covering the blood of the sacrifice covering what was in the ark three symbols of man's sin failure and rebellion when the blood covered the sin, the failure, and the rebellion of the people, God would manifest his presence. This is a picture. This isn't my opinion. The whole New Testament book of Hebrews tells us that that was the gospel in advance. It was the gospel in the middle of the nation of Israel throughout their whole history. Okay? Okay? And when Jesus shows up on the scene, the, old, the last Old Testament prophet, whose name was John the Baptist, he was the last Old Testament prophet, he recognized who he was and said, here he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here he is, the one that all of those lambs, all that blood that was shed in the Old Testament, this is the one whose blood actually removes our sin. Those lambs were pictures, prophetic foreshadows to come, the one who is to come, Jesus. You know why our sins are gone? The blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin. The blood of Rick, if Rick died for your sins, it would do you no good. And I love Rick, he's a great guy. The blood of Eugene, you'd be still dying in your sin. But God was in Christ. The scripture tells us. (coughs) Reconciling the world to himself. When Jesus died, God shed his blood for you. Do I fully understand all this? I get the message. I get the message. God Took away our sin. It's gone. We can get up. We can expect God to do great things in our lives. Not because we're so good or so great or so faithful, we're not, but because we've been cleansed by the blood of God, the blood of Jesus Christ. You see? And so the ten northern tribes, as they broke off, there was no worship. There was no true worship as God had prescribed in the north because everything was in Jerusalem, at the temple, in the sacrifice that God had prescribed through Moses. I hope this isn't upsetting you. It doesn't upset me. I just got a cough once in a while. I see so much compassion in your eyes. What can I do to help this poor preacher? He's up there gagging to death. So, the northern kingdom that Hosea is speaking to, they fell first and they fell the hardest. And they were the first to be carried away into exile by the Assyrians. Hosea's prophetic ministry was to the northern kingdom. The capital of the northern tribes was Samaria. Right? The capital of the southern tribes was what? Jerusalem. Thank you, Mike. Very kind. Ah. Sure. Why not? Anything to help here? I'm sorry. So when people are coughing all the time, you're, you're far away enough. It's not getting on you, but doesn't it irritate you for some reason? Hosea's prophetic ministry is to the north, as we've said, and he's speaking to these northern tribes during the reign of Rehoboam. Now, during Rehoboam's reign, there was a lot of political and economic success, but as we saw in 2 Kings chapter 14, Israel though they were prospering materially and politically under his rule, it was a time of terrible spiritual and moral decay. And the result, the horrific result of this spiritual rot would not be obvious until after Rehoboam was off the scene. So this this is kind of the climate of the the world that Hosea was speaking into. Hey, would you stop coughing, man? It's really irritating me. I'm a hypocrite. Just teasing you, Richard. It's all good, man. You need a cough drop? So when the Lord began to speak by Hosea, verse two, the Lord said to Hosea, go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. I'm gonna use you, Hosea, to speak to my people through this living illustration of your marriage. Okay? Now, I don't believe God's, this was Old Testament. I mean, God told some of the prophets to get naked and lay on the ground for two years you know he called them to do all this crazy stuff you're not an old testament prophet okay because i meet some guys and it's like they they're studying these things and you can see in their eyes like they see themselves as an old testament prophet it's like there are no more old testament prophets the christ has come we're in the new covenant we don't see anything like this in the new covenant in the new covenant we see that everything is to be done decently and in order, okay? But God called Hosea to marry a prostitute and the reason is, is he's gonna speak through this living illustration of his own marriage to Israel about what they're doing to him, what they're doing to God. This is radical stuff. He's instructed to take a wife of harlotry who would continue her prostitution even while they're married. Wow. For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from God. I'm gonna let the people know by looking at you and your marriage how I feel as you in God speaking this to the northern tribes, is you turn your back on me and you go after other lovers, which is what God called their idolatry, spiritual adultery. Okay, and so he went, Hosea went, and he took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And we're gonna see she doesn't give up her prostitution. Hosea, no doubt, had been hoping she'd give up her old ways because he's just a man, you know. What man would, you know, not hope that? But she didn't. David Guzik says here of this passage, says some commentators believe this never really happened, and that Hosea is only telling a vivid story. They think it could never have happened because God would never have a prophet marry a prostitute. But Guzik says, James Boyce, who's another Bible commentator, rightly observes, if Hosea's story cannot be real, because God could not ask a man to marry an unfaithful woman, then neither is the story of salvation real, because this is precisely what Christ has done for us. Wow. You know, when you study the Bible... The New Testament, the Gospels, and you see Jesus interacting with people. A lot of people put themselves in as they read the story. They put themselves in the place of Jesus. That's reading it wrong. I'm not the Christ. <laughs> I'm the prostitute that Jesus forgives. I'm not the Christ. I'm the Pharisee. I'm. It, it, and fa- in, in the, the radical thing is I'm the Pharisee and the prostitute, all in one. All these people are in me. Because in me, that is in my flesh, Paul says. Paul the Apostle opens up transparently. He says, there dwells no good thing. And then he lists off all the stuff that's in the flesh in Galatians. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, outbursts of anger, heresies, you know, all this crazy stuff. This is all potential in our flesh. When we read the Gospels and Jesus is interacting with these different people, we are that other person. We're not, I'm not the Christ. I'm the one who needs the Christ. <laughs> I'm the woman at the well, you know. I'm the Pharisee. I'm the guy who's desperate for a touch from God. I'm the blind man. Bartimaeus, that needs God to give me vision and sight. You know, this is, I'm Zacchaeus, you know, desperate for God to forgive me in all the places I've been and the stuff I've done. In this story, we're the prostitute. You know, when my when Jennifer and I got married almost 28 years ago over in the old... Packing house, we, we had actually had Fernando Ortega sing in our wedding, which we look back going, like, how did we get Fernando Ortega? He's one of the most amazing. We asked him to sing a song, an old hymn, because we wanted something that honestly represented where we were at. The words of that song that Fernando sang at our wedding, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart now, Lord, and seal it, seal it to thy courts above. That's honestly who I am. I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Like Gomer was prone to wander. And God's gonna tell Hosea, I want you to go after her. I want you to love her. I want you to pay off all of her debts. I want you to keep pursuing her. This is Jesus. Jesus is Hosea. His name is actually from the same root. We are the prostitute. I'm I'm sorry if that offends you. I don't mean to offend you, but you and I are sinners that need the Savior. And he pursues us. And then the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, this child that was born. For in a little while I will avenge the blood of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. So the firstborn son to Hosea and his wife Gomer, his name is Jezreel, which means scattered, as Israel is soon to be scattered, okay? And it shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow. I'll break the power to fight is what that means. I'll break the weapons by which you fight of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. You're gonna have no ability to fight against the Assyrians who are gonna come and be the instruments of my chastening of you is what he's saying. And she conceived and she bore again a daughter. And God said to him, call her name Lo-Ruhamah, which in Hebrew means no mercy. For I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Every time someone would call out the name of this child, this little girl, in the community, there would be a reminder to everyone of the coming judgment and the exile. Every time they called out her name. And yet, God says, I will have mercy on the house of Judah. I'm going to have mercy on the south, the kingdom of the south, and will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow nor by sword or battle or horses or horsemen. The Assyrians who destroyed Israel also attacked Judah. But they couldn't conquer Judah. God promised here, you're gonna be taken into captivity because you have progressed so deep into idolatry so consistently. Judah still isn't got to that point. They're gonna get spanked later into Babylon Inst- instead of conquering Judah after they had conquered the north we saw in second kings 19 god miraculously fought on behalf of judah if you remember the story there the tribe through which the messiah is going to come remember how god sent a warrior angel one angel who in one night killed 185,000 assyrians that were crouched and ready to pounce on Judah. One angel showed up and slaughtered 185,000. This is how powerful angels are. Okay. Now when she had weaned Lo-Rumaha, or No-Mercy, the daughter, she conceived again and bore a son. So here's another child. This is the third child. And God said, call his name Lo-Ami, this means not my people, okay? For you are not my people and I will not be your God. So every time this child was called in the community, this little child, someone called out their name, there was a reminder that the people of Israel had pushed the Lord God away. They had done it, okay? Since Gomer never left her prostitution, it's interesting, some believed that naming this child, not my people, it could have been because the child was not Hosea's, that she conceived by one of her clients, you know, in her prostitution. But that's speculation. Okay, talk about an unbelievably difficult calling in life wow, could you be an Old Testament prophet? You know, I don't think I could. He says, for you are not my people and I will not be your God. It's as if God is saying poetically here, you obviously don't want to be mine and so let's not pretend everything is great in our relationship. This is poetry. You get the, you get the picture, you know? And yet, God says, verse 10, the number of the children of Israel will be as the sand of the sea that cannot be measured or numbered and it shall come to pass in the place that it was told to them, you are not my people. There it shall be said to them, you are sons of the living God. Okay? This is a poetic expression of this is God coming down in in interacting with his people in human terms. And a lot of people have said things in human relationships that they felt at the time, right? A lot of things have been said between husbands and wives, hurtful things. God is coming down to communicate to them how he feels. That even as he says poetically how he feels... By the naming of this daughter, you're not my people. He immediately in the next verse says, but it's going to be said to you, again, you're sons of the living God. Just to remind you that I'm never going to let go of you. Okay. Though God signaled coming judgment, it won't be forever. The judgment, the discipline, the spanking, after it will come a day of prosperity and abundant blessing. One day Israel will return to the Lord and once again be called children, the children of the living God. Then the children of Judah and the children of Israel, the southern tribes and the northern, the whole people shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head and they shall come up out of the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. So God promised a restoration so complete that the division that was caused by the Civil War after Solomon died and Rehoboam and Jeroboam divided the kingdom. A division that stood for 170 years. The the restoration that God promises here that eventually would come was so complete that he's saying the whole thing is going to be reunited all the tribes will be reunited again the first child of hosea and gomer was named jezreel as a sign of judgment that god promised a restoration so complete that jezreel would once again be a name of greatness not of judgment the end of the story okay the end of the story is always restoration redemption the faithfulness of god I will never leave you nor forsake you. That doesn't mean I will never leave you unless you live perfectly. It means through all the stumblings and all the wanderings that I know you're gonna go on, I'm never gonna leave you. That's what we see here. The child named Jezreel had his name redeemed and then the next two children, Lo-Ramuha and No-Mercy or Lo-Amim, Not-My-People, had their names redeemed as Israel would once again be regarded as my people, okay? Unto the Lord, and mercy is shown to them. What a sign of judgment, what was a sign of judgment would become evidence of redemption. You get the picture? It's poetry, it's a, true, it's a true story, but there's poetic elements. You know that 38% of the Bible is poetry? So when you're reading it, you gotta read it for what it is. It's mostly to get a, a feeling so you can feel the heart of God. You know, God wants to reach not just our minds, but our hearts. He loves us to death. We bring so much pain on ourselves. When we wander. You know, and you hear me all the time encouraging you that even if you wander, he'll never let you go. And a lot of pastors get nervous by that message. You can't say that, Greg. They're going to all go out and just send their brains out, you know. You know what? It's the grace of God. It's the goodness and kindness of God, the scripture says, that brings us to repentance. Repentance. You know, some heavy duty message just beating you on the head. It just drives people away. Hopeless. You know, it's when I know that I have a chance, that I get up. He gets me up, and we press on. When I know that He's forgiven my sins and He's covered me in the righteousness of Christ. You know, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. You know, this idea that grace will be a license for sin only if you're really stupid, you know. It's like God saying, you know, you know that hammer you've been beating your skull with and you've cracked your own skull with and there's blood and you're in total agony. God's like, you could keep beating yourself in the head and cracking your skull and I'll never leave you. Oh, Cool. That's what sin, sin. It increases our pain. This life is already painful. It's a fallen world. It, it wastes our time. We hate time being wasted, as we talked about at the stoplight. And it wastes our resources. Think of, Do your own homework. I sat down one day and I thought, this is what sin does. It increases my pain. It, it causes me to waste time because I complicate my life and now everything is, it's more time consuming. I hate to waste time. And it, and it burns up my resources. I don't like any of that stuff. I don't want to sin, you know? But if we, like John says in 1 John chapter 2, I write these things, dear children, that you do not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Advocate means defense attorney. If I write these things that you don't sin. But if anyone does sin, it's all in the same verse. Verse. We have an advocate, we have a defense attorney before the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, the one who came and took your sin on himself, took it down into death, left it there in the grave, rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father as your defense attorney. Praise the Lord. You can get up. You can get up again and again and again, Gomer. You're a bunch of Gomers. My name is Gomer Gomer. And Hosea has married me. And he won't let me go. And I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. How crazy am I? I'm crazy. And he won't let me go. Jesus promised I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And to someone here tonight, his question to you is how much more pain are you going to bring on yourself? How much more time are you going to waste? How many more resources are you going to blow through? You know, stay close. Stay close to me. I'm never going to stop pursuing you. I'm going to search you out. I'm going to, and we're going to see. God's going to tell Hosea to pay off Gomer's debts to this wife who's hurting him so bad. That's what God's saying to you. I'm going to pursue you. I'm never going to let go I'm going to pay off all your debts. How long will it take for my love to melt you? Stay close to me. Just be with me. I'm your husband, says the Lord. We're the what? Bride of Christ. This is a picture of Jesus and the church. Wow, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this just this introduction to this book that we're going to study the next few weeks. What a picture, Lord. And we thank you, God, that you have come. Father, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. We thank you that, we thank you, that you came. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would show us more and more of his lovely name. Lord, we thank you that right now we stand forgiven and cleansed because of what you've done. Lord, keep our eyes open. Lord, let your goodness and kindness continually bring us to repentance. Lord, we ask that you'd fill us with the Holy Spirit. We ask that you'd sweep us away like a flood, like a bridegroom sweeping his bride off her feet. Lord, that you'd do a new work in our days by your spirit, and we'd get caught up in it, we'd be caught up with you, we'd be going with you and staying with you that we would no longer be so prone to wander (laughs) we ask this in the name of Jesus and everybody who agreed, said out loud together, amen amen, there we go, chapter 1 done, next week Hosea chapter 2 say hi to someone on your way out we'll see you next week, God bless you